This is Pastor Flosser, and you're getting ready to listen to the preached Word of God taken directly from one of our services at Faith and Truth Assembly in Thomasville, Pennsylvania. We hope it is a blessing to you, and if you could take some time and just go over to the Contact Us tab on this website and send us a little message. Let us know if there's any questions we can answer, any prayer requests we can bring before the Lord on your behalf. We want to help you in any way we can. God bless you and enjoy the word. Psalm 73, verse 1, attributed to a man named Asaph, says, Truly, God is good to Israel. Isn't God good to his people? Even to such are as are of a clean heart. God bless you. You can be seated. I am not in a hurry. But I do want to just keep on moving tonight. And I'm asking you to help me, hallelujah, just uh, to preach this word tonight, if you would, by just paying attention and getting a hold of what God has for you. Asaph was one of David's chief musicians. He was attributed with writing at least 12 psalms. And in one place, though I don't feel like this is necessary for us to really put our confidence in what he is saying, because we know all scripture is inspired by God. Amen. And it's profitable for instruction and correction, for doctrine. Amen. But the Bible does in Second Chronicles call, uh, verse chapter 29, call Asaph a seer. He wasn't just writing songs that were inspiring. He was prophesying as God moved the pen on the paper. Amen. And this man that God used greatly to write songs or psalms for us even today wrote this song in Psalm 73, and he says, Truly God is good to Israel, to his people, even such as are of a clean heart. Verse 2 changes the direction, maybe, of what you might think is intended here drastically. And I have, at times, when people have done this talking to me, I've stopped them right there. I know God is good, but, and I say, don't finish that sentence. Don't add anything in the contrary. God is good, period. But even those who are spiritual, this man was a prophet. God used him to pen songs that would go in the Bible and still be read and helpful to us even today, many, many years later. This man named Asaph said, I know God is good to his people, but as for me, what you're going to see, can I say it this way, no matter what is said after God is good, but you're seeing a crisis. You're seeing somebody who is just flesh and blood that is going through problems and they're they're battling the mind games of the enemy. And we know, we that are familiar with this psalm know that he got his head back on straight. He got back to church. He came back to the sanctuary, to the house of God, and God straightened him out. But God has been honest with us to record this. I love that about the Bible. I've read a lot of different kinds of books. But 
this is God's book, and God says, I want you, Faith and Truth Assembly, to see a man who is a prophet, a man who is a spiritual man, a man that I use greatly, go through a crisis of faith. The word that I wrote down a few weeks ago was depression. Just felt like there was something there that God God wanted me to address, that God wanted to help somebody. I, I don't know that Maybe sometimes that's the best word possible. Sometimes we go through very difficult times of discouragement. But depression is not something that is unheard of in somebody that loves God. We're in a battle. We're in a warfare. And, And I believe God is, His honesty lets us deal with problems rather than bury them. So often I've seen people just shipwrecked in their faith because they have buried that for so deeply for so long and it didn't just stay there. It grew and it, 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 it was like a cancer that, that, that spread into other organs and, and got a foothold in other areas of their life and, and produced malignancy all through until, until when it finally surfaced. It was tragic. He said, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. He said, I was was almost a goner. To be honest with you, it seemed like I was right there on the edge of the precipice, ready to just fall, fall off into the abyss. But, But God had mercy on him. Amen? Amen. Listen to what he says as the cause of this, uh, this this depression, if I can call it that. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. It wasn't the battle, it wasn't the hardship that Asaph was facing that caused him to spiral into this dark place. And you'll we'll see, it's quite a dark place. There's no, no beating around the bush. This was... This was a very, very difficult crisis of his faith that almost had him backslid. It wasn't the problem that he said, but it was when his mind started showing him other people that weren't doing as good and didn't care as much and didn't try as hard as he did. And he said, they don't seem to have the troubles I have. And then, as he dwelled on that, as he allowed that to germinate in his mind, he begins to say, you know what? I'd give anything to have what they have. I was envious with the wicked. Their problem was so grievous to themselves that they said, I, 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 I wish I had their way. I wish, I wish I had what they have. And it's not fair. They're wicked and I'm doing all I can to live for God. Before we go any farther in this, quickly, I want to show you that that other great men in the Bible, God's people, have gone through similar crises of faith. Moses, can you say uh, he was a spiritual guy? Standing in the presence of God? 
40 days and 40 nights hearing God speak to him, probably hearing the the story of creation and writing down the first so many chapters of Genesis. I don't know, but getting the law from God and all these things that are attributed to the greatness of Moses. Moses in Numbers 11. Numbers 11, if you want to keep your finger there in Psalms, but I'm going to keep on moving here. Numbers 11 Verse 1 says, the people complained, it displeased the Lord, the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled, the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them, that they were in the, those, that, them that were in the uttermost part of the camp, the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched, he called the name of the place Tiberah, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers, the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. But our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. They are complaining before the Lord. God begins to bring judgment. They cry out to Moses. Moses prays and and intercedes and God helps them. They begin to complain again about the manna. Verse 9 now says, And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased. Listen to what Moses says. He's in the midst of this this uh, uh, God helping them and God blessing them. and But they're, they're complaining about the manna. And Moses said to the Lord, Wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant? Moses starts to talk to God and say, what have you, why have you done this to me? Wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight? Why do you hate me? <laughs> what have I done to you to deserve this? Thou layest the burden of all this people upon me. Have I conceived all this people? They're not my babies. Why do I have to take care of them? That's what Moses is saying to God. You see, he's really having a crisis. What, I, have I begotten them that thou shouldest... Say unto me, carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father beareth a sucking child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers. Whence should I have flesh to give all this people? For they weep unto me, saying, give us flesh that we may eat. Now look at this. Look what what Moses just sums it all up. I am not able to bear all this people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, kill me. Moses says to God, if this is what I have to do, God, kill me. I believe in joy. I believe in the blessings of God. But sometimes the burden just is so, so heavy. God showed us this in his word. I pray thee out of hand. If I have found favor in thy sight, let me not see my wretchedness. He says, you know what? If you do love me, just just." blot me out take me home i am so tired of the battle that i'm facing elijah had a similar crisis didn't he first kings 19 verse 1 said and ahab told jezebel all that elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword then jezebel sent a messenger unto elijah saying so let the gods do to me and more also if i not if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. I know this isn't just uh, the most exciting message. It's going to make you smile right now. But you stick it with it. God's going to help us. 
Jezebel says, oh, you killed my false prophets. God kill me if I don't kill you by tomorrow this time. And she pronounces this curse upon him. That, that's going to, I hope God just takes me out if I don't just make it happen that you die by tomorrow. Elijah got the news of that. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. Now, Elijah, wow, the power of God just working in his life. You've seen miracles of deliverance and power. And it, but this... I feel like it hit him hard because he looked at this and saw the fire fall from heaven and thought, this is going to turn the whole nation to God. The prophets of Baal, 450 of them, could not get anything done. God, you had me pour water all over our altar. Fire came down, started that in front of everybody. Now there's going to be revival. And they put a bounty on his head and said, you're going to die. I don't really believe it was just because he was scared of dying or scared of... It just, I feel like he had expectations to see a change in the, the climate of Israel and the spiritual climate. And, and they believed, he believed this is going to change things. And the Bible says that he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. And he himself, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. I know it says he went for his life, but I mean, see how this is happening? I, I'm, I, I don't, he says, I just, I just want to die. I just want this to be over with. There was so much more than just fear for his life. There was discouragement. It's enough. Amen. He requested that he would die. He said, it is enough. I've, I've dealt with enough now. Lord, take away, oh Lord, take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. And as he laid, slept under the juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, arise and eat. Jeremiah, real quickly, Jeremiah 20 is preaching to Israel. And verse 7 of Jeremiah 20, he says, oh Lord, thou hast deceived me. And I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and I have, and has prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. Jeremiah is not only feeling the pressure of the mocking and the derision, the persecution that he's going through. He just prays to God, says, "God, you know, you look look what you've done to me. You 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 you're you prevailed against me. You win. They're mocking me. They're they're coming against me every day." For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made and because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention nor speak any more in his name. Jeremiah said, I'm done. I won't say another word. Everything I say is just mocked and ridiculed. Do you see? He said, God, I'm telling you right now, I will not do it any longer. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. Hallelujah. And I was weary with forbearing. I could not stay. Something about that calling in Jeremiah. Let me tell you, if, if it could happen to Moses, if it could happen to these preachers and these prophets, it could happen to anyone that puts their heart out there to do God's will. And it's hard because you see folks that don't care. And therefore, because they don't care, it doesn't hurt them as much. They're not as sensitive as you are. And then you see them going on in their lives. And God allows his children to go through hardships and trials. He allows you, perfects you through the fiery trials of your faith. And sometimes you don't, you're not looking at that as lessons to learn and teaching and purifying. You're just saying, how is this fair? How does this work? 
You, you forget that God sees the one that's bringing forth fruit and purges you so you can bring forth more fruit and there's something good happening. You forget that God's got a plan in all that. And God just lets other folks go because, you know, they, they've chosen the broad road and they seem like for a while they're doing so well. And rather than you saying, I know you've got a purpose and a plan for me right here in the flood, right here in the fire. I know you're working all things together for my good. Even though I can't see it right now, we stop thinking like that and start comparing. And say, I just don't get why that happens. Look what Asaph said. Turn back to Psalm 73. I think this is pretty powerful. If you've ever been through something specific, like, specifically like the next verse or two, um, without a real walk with God, it can work on you. It will work on you. Psalm 73. He said, but as for me, verse 2 said, my feet were almost gone. My steps were nigh, well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Verse 4. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. I, I don't know of any more powerful, more, more just, just serious verse. This person, Asaph, is now looking and saying, I've seen good people die and, and it, was, it was tough. See, death is not pretty. And he's starting to see, you know, I've seen good folks struggle and struggle in death. And I've seen, it just seems like the wicked just keep on living. It seems like the wicked sometimes just close their eyes and they're gone. But I've seen good folks struggle for breath, suffer. And again, I don't know God's plan. I don't know God's purpose. He starts comparing and saying, how's that fair? How's that right? They're not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, that's why their pride compasses them as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. It's like they, they wear their, their, their violence and their pride like jewelry to flaunt in front of anybody because they've got it so easy and here I am trying to live for God and I'm struggling and I'm hurting and I'm going through it. Are you hearing me tonight? Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than the heart could wish. They're corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. I'm trying to be careful. I'm trying to love my enemies like that preacher keeps telling me. I keep on trying to do good to them that do me wrong. But they don't care what they say. They're corrupt and they're wicked and they, 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 they say anything that they can. And it just seems like they're healthy and they're wealthy. They set their mouth against the heavens. Their tongue walketh through the earth. This is in your Bible. Therefore, his people return hither, and the waters of a full cup are wrung out in them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. The observation on the surface of seeing somebody right now in this chapter of their life seem like they're doing so well and the devil tries to say, look at that. He points it out. You're needing a miracle. You need help. You need victory. And they just seem like everything's falling into place for them. Everything's going well for them. Oh, the devil's a liar. Psalm 73 goes on with the false conclusion. I'm going through a hard time. I'm hurting. And now the devil starts pointing out those that seem like they, they couldn't care less, but they're blessed so much, you might say. They seem like they're doing well, and they're flaunting and, and proud of their sinfulness. And 
not only is that comparison being made, now, now the enemy's just putting some things in the mind of Asaph. And he's saying, let's come to the conclusion of this. Add two and two together. You're trying really hard. You've really given your life to God. You're going through this battle. They're living for the devil. And they're not, they're not careful in their walk with God. They might call themselves a Christian, but they've compromised in a lot of things. They seem like they're doing pretty good. Here's what the false conclusion was. Verily, verse 13, verily I have cleansed my heart in vain. There's that depression. There's that, that, that hopelessness. All that I, I made a mistake living for God. I made a mistake coming to church. I've got problems and they've got it easy street. I've got battles. I want to tell you something about living for God. It, it, it's not so much different than anything else in the world. You know, you could sit back and say, it's not fair. That person gets to sleep in, stay in their pajamas all day, play on their computer games and eat snacks, and i got to get up and go to work. Right? And you could say, it's just not fair. It's not right. i got to deal with a boss. They don't have a boss. They don't have to deal with coworkers. This is with anything in life, really. You want to look at education. You want to look at, look at uh, getting. But you know what? One of them is getting their bills paid. And one of them's probably sponging off somebody. Amen? Doing something right. There's going to be battles. There's going to be struggles. But can I tell you something? God's, God's helping you. Verily I've cleansed my heart in vain. That's not true. But that's what he's thinking. Washed my hands in innocency. I did what I thought I needed to do. But it's not. Where's it gotten me? For all the day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Those kind of thoughts just begin to spiral into just anguish of soul, right? But now, all that being said, he gets back to his sanity, comes back to his right mind. Verse 17, until, until I went into the sanctuary of God, I so much appreciate an honest child of God that's able to say, hey, here's when I went off the rails. Here's what was really happening in me. That we can say, oh, you know what? I, I might have not gone so deep. I might have not thought those exact same things. But I've had struggles, struggles too. I've had troubles too. And, and you, you can see that it's not just you. But I can also see, how did you survive? How did you overcome? How did you get back on track? And he said, until I went into the sanctuary of God. I've got to get back into his presence. Not just in the, in the door, but, but into his presence. That's why I've talked to folks that struggle with discouragement, depression, loneliness, just uh, all kind of mental battles and the strongholds of the enemy. Don't stay home. Get in the house of God. Get in the altar. Amen. Let somebody pray with you. Let God help you. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. See, I'm looking at maybe a page or a phrase or a chapter even. But I get that I might be going through a battle right now. But I'm going somewhere. 
I'm going to be better off down the road. I want to, and, and ultimately heaven. I, I don't want to be the kind of person they're going to be in 10 years. I don't want to have the kind of regret and the, the, the seared conscience and the not caring about, uh, about myself and the people around me and uh, that they're going to be because those things that they're doing are just going to develop in their, into their character if it all hasn't already happened. But I understand where, where they're going, not just in this world, but in eternity. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. I understand. Listen, listen, if you're looking for perfection in anybody outside of Jesus, good luck. Get ready to be disappointed. That's just foolish. People are people. But God has placed examples of faithfulness around you. If you'll open your eyes and look. You can cut down everybody else to try to make yourself feel good and make it feel like maybe some everybody. But I'm going to tell you something. Praise the Lord. We all struggle and have battles and trials. And there's people who have stood firm. Amen. Thank God for that. Stood through hard trials. Take that that example of their faithfulness and recognize, hey, I want to I want to have something in my life like them. Amen. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How art they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream, when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. I've seen times in my life where it's, with the ones who mocked the loudest, the ones that were the boldest about their sin and thought it was hilarious that uh, you would call yourself a Christian, find out that, that they didn't have peace in their heart. They're struggling with. They don't have a, a, a heavenly father that they can lean on for their depression. They don't have a God that can speak peace into their hearts. They don't have a place in the house of God where prayer can undergird them. Amen? And it's, uh, and you remember when you come into church, thank God that I have, I have Him to be my strength. The fearfulness of living a life without God. The unsurety of all you have day by day, not knowing one day you're going to be in eternity, not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. See, a child of God says, whatever happens tomorrow, I've got Jesus. I'll be all right. No matter what happens tomorrow, it's going to be, it's going to be fine. God's going to help me. But that's not so for those that are compromised. Verse 21, thus my heart was grieved. Now, now there's something else going on. There is a conviction as we get ready to close. There is a conviction. Now he's come back to his senses and said, you know, I, I understand. I've been in the house of God. I've been in the presence of God. I have felt God's power touch my life. And, and I, I know why I live for God. And he begins to repent of the foolish, the thought of foolishness, the Bible calls it. Verse 21, thus my heart was grieved and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. That's what it's all about. 
I am continually with thee. Oh, I take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Thou hast hold my, me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Oh, hallelujah. He comes back and says, I'm so sorry that I've allowed my mind to go into such a dark place, such a negative place, a place where I could somehow feel like what's the use of really living for God? Maybe I've wasted my time just being so, so in love with Jesus. And, but no, 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 I was foolish and I've been like a, like a beast, like an animal, just not thinking straight. Verse 27, for lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw, draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. It is good for me to draw near to God. I wonder, I wonder if this isn't just really, really good way to end a psalm. But I wonder if this isn't something that he said, you know, I wonder why I didn't do that sooner. I started looking around. I started thinking about a lot of things. I started talking maybe to folks saying, I don't understand why God lets this go on. I don't understand why God doesn't do something about this. I don't understand why God doesn't help me quicker than he does. I don't know all the process of what happened for Asaph. I know what happens to us sometimes. And I wonder if Asaph wasn't saying, it's good for me to draw near to God, thinking, why didn't I get to the sanctuary sooner? Why didn't I draw near to the presence of God sooner? Listen, if you're not praying daily in the presence of God, if your prayers are dry and routine, if your worship has become just empty of real life, your mind is going to come under battle. Your mind is going to start going in directions. And, and without that help of God's presence, it's going to take you places you don't need to go. The darkness that can get a hold of anybody here's mind and the things that you can think about God even, let alone one another, it's, it's beyond ourselves. It's, it's the enemy that, that works in that. And, and things that we would never even say, things that we would never even have contemplated without the presence of God working in our lives, those things start rolling around and and the enemy knows how to do just like he did to Eve. You know, that makes a lot of sense. That, that really, you know, if, if it was spoken out loud to someone who's been praying, loved, they say, don't, don't think that way. Don't do that. That's not right. Look, remember this. and Remember what the Bible says. Remember what God did for you. But when we're just kind of talking with ourselves, and devil's saying, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. And what about this? And it, and it just, it can make so much sense. They're locked up in the darkness of our mind. But when the light comes in, and shines on that darkness when the light of God's presence comes in it makes the difference let's bow our heads in prayer it's good for me to draw near to God Sister Katie if you come play something on the keyboard it's good for me to draw near to God That's tonight was so good because no matter what you were facing and I believe somebody's facing something because God didn't just lay this on my heart for no good reason at all but you drew nigh to God tonight I've seen people 
in the midst of a crisis of faith come to the house of God but never really enter in. That mind is still going. They're distracted. Distracted by all those thoughts of discouragement, disappointment, depression. I want to tell you, brother, sister, it's not so uncommon to have a crisis like that. Asaph, Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah. Very serious words. And others I could take you to in the Bible. We talked about Job this morning. Some of the things he said in his dark hours. Very similar. One place he said, I just cursed the day that they came and told my mother that you have a son. But in God's presence, we can get back on track. In God's presence, there can be light, strength, and help. Oh, hallelujah. 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 God's reaching for somebody today to remind you. Living for God with all your heart has not been a waste of time. I'm here tonight to speak a clear word certain sound maybe today you're saying God's been the best thing for me fall in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever done I want you to pray that somebody in this service gets the help they need but I'm telling somebody tonight putting your heart into living for God hasn't kept you from pain it hasn't kept you from disappointment hasn't kept you from problems prices maybe you've even had to pay in your own family and friends that have forsaken you because you decided to stand with Jesus. But the enemy wants nothing better than to twist up the thoughts in your mind and make you feel like living for God is not the best thing you've ever done. Making you question why you really put your heart into serving God when when there's been so much pain so much disappointment I'm here tonight to tell you that God loves you and has got a plan for you it's not always going to be it's darkness it's not always going to be difficult God's got an end to it all and a heaven ahead of you You've got something this world doesn't have. You've got the security of the love of God in your life and to know that He's got a plan for you. Don't sell it out. Don't let it slip. But renew your mind in God. Take time. Take time in God's presence. Draw near to God and He'll draw near to you. And the light will start to shine again. The darkness will begin to be pushed back. Clouds will dissipate and you'll see the hope again. The hope of 
knowing that God has been good to his people. Oh, hallelujah. Can we stand and just lift our hands to heaven? Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Come on, somebody else come and pray. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. God's working. God's helping you. Get in the presence of God. Don't let that spread throughout who you are. Fill me, fill me up, Lord. Fill me up. Oh, Jesus. ashamed of ourselves sometimes for the battles that we fight. The enemy can make us feel like we're just going through something that nobody else could ever understand. But I feel like this great psalm is in the Bible to let you know that you're not alone in the battle that you're fighting. God's help is for you. It's a spiritual battle. spiritual fight and you've got to get victory in the presence of God man tries his best to help but God's victory is for you if you'll take it oh I love you Jesus feed me till I want no more oh yes oh yes Jesus. Renew your people, Lord. Renew them in hope, strength, Lord, in life. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, feed us, Lord. Just so good. Thank you for your presence here tonight. Thank you for your help. Lord, so many have been so beaten down, Lord. It's hard for them to just hear the help, receive the help that they need. But I'm asking you to minister to those that are weak tonight, to those that are struggling. Make the difference through this service tonight as we believe you have, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. God, you're wonderful. Thank you again for just being faithful to visit us like you have tonight. To give us, Lord, encouragement, strength, Lord, in the midst of our battle. Thank you for loving us in our weakness. Thank you for, Lord, your patience with us when we question. God, just continue to help each one. Lord, we love you so much. Bless your people, Lord, I pray. Keep us safe. 
as we travel these highways. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go.